Welcome to the Oil Can Podcast, Monday morning edition. Hi, it's Alan Mitchell. Today we're going to discuss the Boston win, uh, Toronto Maple Leafs game tonight. Uh, maybe a little on the trade deadline and how well that second line is doing with Kotter Yamamoto. Maybe we'll get into the next recalls. A big day for us, Daniel Nugent Bowman joining us from Edmonton. How are you, sir? I'm well. How are you guys doing? Good. And uh, John Willis joining us from uh, downtown Don Mills, Ontario. Uh, is that where you are, John? <laughs> I am. I'm sitting about five minutes away from the arena in my my hotel suite. Very very happy to be here and talking to you guys again. Well, I I have to say that it's uh, it's great to have you on the road. One of the uh, great things about uh, the athletic is that we're. We're doing more and more coverage. I know Daniel's down at the rink all the time, and Daniel has done uh, road trips as well. Uh, but the coverage has been uh, well-received of, of all of the stuff we're doing down at the rink and all of the interviews and uh, Daniel's great interviews over the last number of months. Uh, Matt Benning, I guess, would be the, the latest one we can think of. But uh, that's part of it, right, being down there, and, and you, you're going to be uh, heading right from our uh, uh, podcast here today to head down to the rink and talk talk to some uh, uh, some players and some coaches, right? I, I am. I'm actually going to have to probably bail a couple of minutes early. Um, you know, as you know, Daniel's a seasoned professional at this and 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 has the timetables exact and it's, it's a finely tuned machine. I'm much more uh, unaware of anything beyond, you know, the next 20 minutes and uh, <laughs> left myself with barely enough time to do this podcast. So, you know, that's that's one of the advantages of having Daniel travel is uh, he's, he's, he's a lot more professional at this than I am. Daniel, I recall us you know, you being on the road and us being able to do this and, and you were here for the entire 30 minutes. Uh, I guess John's right. You're just better organized. Well, when I remember my podcast gear. So I'll give John, I'll give John credit that he at least uh, has brought his gear with him and, uh, and, and knows how to, how to set it up and, and when to record and all that. So, um, you know, it's, it's a learning process this year as we, as we, as we do the pod. So, uh, it's, it's tough because we're, th- we're three people trying to get everything coordinate, coordinated, and I think we've generally done a good job as long as we uh, have our gear and it works. Yeah, no, I think I think we've uh, uh, I think it's been a real uh, step forward, not just in the uh, 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 you know the coverage, but the the podcast and all the the materials. I'm I'm uh, certainly proud to be a part of uh, this group. All right, before we talk about the Toronto game, I just want to spend a little time. Maybe I'll start with you, Daniel. Uh, that Boston game for me, that eclipses the Washington Capitol game early in the year. I thought that was probably the best uh, performance by the, they, they got lucky on a couple of goals, but they played well in Boston and got a win. Uh, if you're an Oiler fan, you've got to be pleased with that result. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, um, I think they just kind of needed something to go right for them, you know, like when Gaetan Haas got that goal um, after the turnover by Jake DeBrusque, it just seemed to really kind of change the um, kind of the tone of the game and, and give them a little bit of, not that they didn't have life, obviously, earlier. They played a, a really good first period, but it seemed that from that point on, they kind of had things going for them, you know? Um, it's, it's kind of been a bit of a trend for the Oilers this year where they've played pretty well against some some, some good teams. You know, you look at, um, you, you mentioned the Washington game. I'll, I'll, I'll kind of throw that, that Vegas and, and Arizona uh, road road split back-to-back there that they played pretty well. There's, there have been a couple others too. Obviously, they didn't... Uh, didn't beat um, St. Louis uh, at home, but they, you know, I thought they 
if I remember correctly, maybe maybe not. Maybe my memory's eluding me, but I think they played pretty well. At least one of the 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 uh, the St. Louis games, uh, Dallas uh, certainly on the road. Uh, they got the win there. Um, so I think you know I think they played they played pretty well against some of these better teams. Uh, obviously, their struggles against some of the bottom feeders, uh, losses against Detroit, Ottawa, uh, L.A. come come to mind. Um, you know have been well documented, but. Uh, they're, you know, a big win like that, especially now that they get to go up against a Toronto team that's maybe the hottest in the NHL. Uh, hopefully, for their sake, could could kind of provide a little bit of uh, of juice as they head into that game. So, yeah, I think the Boston effort was was one of the more complete of the year, and uh, some really good performances. Mike Smith, uh, uh, who's who struggled quite a bit since uh, the early part of November, had a really great, strong game. Drysaddle, uh, Nurse as well, uh, pretty complete team effort, but. Some some guys that uh, have been struggling of late, uh, I thought really picked it up. The thing I liked about the Boston game was uh, coming in the way everything seemed to be pointing in one direction. You know, Boston's a, a really good club. Uh, it's the, the Saturday afternoon game on, on the East Coast, which always seems to kill the Oilers. And, and then, you know, we find out that Koskinen's still battling the, the flu or the illness that he's dealing with. And uh, Mike Smith's got to step in. And Smith hasn't given, hadn't given them at that point a really solid high-end start in about two months like he'd had some some okay games mixed in there but uh he was he was to me he was the team's best player against the Bruins which I, I don't think you could have predicted going in and, and uh you know sitting there in the press box waiting for it to start I'm thinking to myself okay be careful here John because everything like I, I was looking at um at Dom's game odds based, you know, which, which do a good job of, of identifying the factors. And I think Boston was favored by like 72 to 28% or something. And, and uh, whenever everything points in one direction, I start getting suspicious because I feel like hockey's almost a contrary sport. And uh, as soon as you think you know what's going to happen, it, it smacks you in the face to remind you that you, you really don't. Um, Smith, Smith obviously was the key there, but as Daniel said, you know, it was a, it was a complete team effort. I, I think you can look at all four of those lines and find things to like about them. This is the Oil Can Podcast. I'm Alan Mitchell along with Jonathan Willis, who's in Toronto for the game tonight. Uh, and Daniel Nugent Bowman, by the way, we're delighted you're tuning into the Oil Can Podcast today. If you're interested, the Leaf Report with Jonas Siegel and James Myrtle uh, gives you the inside info on the Toronto Maple Leafs before McDavid and the Oilers face off against Matthews and the Leafs. I keep reading Myrtle saying that they're going to score, uh, Matthews is going to score 50 goals, so I, I imagine they'll be discussing that. Uh, one thing that I did want to mention, and this this came onto the uh, uh, Twitter just minutes before we went to, uh, to the podcast, last time the Oilers won in Toronto, John, was December 2nd, 2010. Happy Bullen had a 33-save shutout, Taylor Hall two goals, and they've lost seven straight since. So uh, that's it. Because, look, I'm not a math guy. Uh, you guys are probably more math guys than I am. But there is a luck to all of this. So seven straight losses, you would think sooner or later, John, the Oilers uh, would win one of these. <laughs> it's like the uh, the New Year's Eve game stat, right, <laughs> that, that they, they broke last week. I You know, they're... They're, they're different teams, and when you you always get these weird numbers when you uh, one way or the other when you play a team that you um, don't see a lot of, and especially because Edmonton has been so weak over the past few years, and they don't play in Toronto very often. That that streak doesn't surprise me at all. I hadn't seen it. In fact, when you said there's some breaking news, I thought you were going to be talking about New, New York's goalies. But um, yeah, we're going to do that in a minute. 
<laughs> oh, okay. I'm sorry. You know, this is my fault for anticipating. I, uh, I'll, I'll just be quiet now and let Daniel talk about that record. No, no. <laughs> I, don't know how much, I don't know how much I how much I have to uh, to add on that. I mean, um, it's funny though because the, I mean it goes back to 2010. So I mean, the Leafs weren't uh, very good during that stretch as well. You know, they have been. Uh, you know, the first. You know half of that streak i guess really they they were a, a pretty lousy team themselves but sometimes that's just how hockey works i mean we t- john was talking about teams that uh should win games uh you know when they're heavily favored and usually the opposite happens well this is i guess you just throw that in as another bizarro hockey world stat i mean you look at like i remember calgary couldn't win to save their lives in in, in uh you know southern california especially anaheim and uh it is, sometimes there's just those those teams that other teams can't beat for whatever reason everything changes coaches changes change uh uh you know key players change but sometimes teams just beat other teams and uh I don't know if if tonight's <laughs> going to change. With I mean, the Leafs are playing incredibly well, but uh, I don't think anyone would have predicted that the Oilers would go in and, and really play a solid game and beat the Boston Bruins, a team that I think that was only the second time they had lost in regulation at home. So stranger things have happened. Hockey's a sport I would not want to bet on very regularly because uh, I'd be wrong <laughs> a lot of the time. So who knows? The uh, the one thing I can say is that. Uh, uh, Rob Tuchowski, who writes for the uh, the Edmonton Sun and Journal, uh, there are cities he he can't go to. He's like he the, 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 he's so unpopular in certain cities he can't go to. If the Leafs were to lose tonight to the Oilers, John Willis might become like the official uh, mascot of going to Toronto for the Edmonton Oilers. The fans might get behind the idea that John has to attend every game in Toronto involving the Oilers. What, what do you think of that, John? <laughs> Well, you know, it's uh, it's a little bit warmer than, <laughs> than up north, so I, I'll, I'll happily come down here in January anytime. Uh, and and you, you, just because you mentioned Rob, um, uh, our I should say we we uh, hoping he he's he's feeling a little better today. He had a had a had a bit of a rough thing on in, on Twitter as he in Boston. Um, I believe he broke his nose, so oh, dear. just hopefully he's he'll be at the rink tonight and uh, and and feeling okay. I saw that. I saw the photo. I just thought he had uh, he had tipped the way he usually does. Um, well, I, I don't know what the, I don't know what the story is because I like he, he wasn't at practice yesterday. Like we, I think we both flew in from from Boston in the morning and we we're on different flights. But uh, hopefully, hopefully he's feeling all right. That uh, that looked pretty rough. Uh, the next thing I want to talk about, gentlemen, this will come as huge news to you. But the New York Rangers have uh, recalled goaltender. I'm going to get his name wrong. Shiskirkin. And he is a wildly successful goalie uh, in the KHL and AHL. Uh, and it brings up a, a an interesting element because obviously King Henry is there along with Georgiev, the, I guess the backup, but a guy who's uh, done pretty well too. Uh, maybe I'll start, John, this time with you. Any thought, any thought in the world about the idea that the Edmonton Oilers might have interest there? This is this is this is shocking news. I am hearing this now for the first time and responding <laughs> off the top of my head. Uh, <laughs> so I, I think it was Larry Brooks who tweeted right before we went to air that um, uh, Shostyorkin had uh, the the option to return to Russia at at his discretion. I, I believe that's correct. My apologies if that's incorrect. Um, and that really adds a pressure point to the Rangers because he's clearly clearly. Uh, an elite American League goalie at this point, right? Like, so he he uh, him having that option, 
the Rangers don't have health issues. They're going to run three goalies for, you know, a little bit here. And and Georgiev's, man, I, I think he's going to be costly to acquire because he's a good young goalie, but he's just in that, that squishy middle ground where they have the, you know, the, the legend in Lundqvist and they have Shesterkin, who clearly seems to be the, the, the heir to that. And in between is a really good, probable starter caliber NHL goalie who, you know, seems like the odd man out. It, it reminds me of when San Jose had uh, Nabokov and Toskala and Kiprasov and, and the Flames moved in and grabbed Kiprasov and, and everybody knows what happened with that. Um, in, for the Oilers specifically, the thing I really like about somebody like Georgiev is he wouldn't he be pretty much an ideal partner for a guy like Miko Koskinen? Like Koskinen, he he won't be a big ticket. Koskinen is is sort of a mid mid priced starting goalie at the moment, and if if you can run a, a tandem with the two of those guys, boy, you, you'd be set for a couple of years there. So I I don't know what the Oilers' level of interest is there, and I don't know if the the acquisition cost is going to be too high, and I also don't know what you do with Mike Smith in that in that case, but. Uh, you know, he's an easy player to like, and he's an easy player to like today and also down the road for the Oilers if, in fact, they're interested. Yeah, I, I think John hits a lot of the the key points on the head. Uh, firstly, I'll start with with Mike Smith. Like, I don't I don't know what you would do with him. I, I you know, Hall, Ken Holland, and, and especially a guy like Dave Tippett. Although, it, you know, in theory, it's not the coach's choice. I mean, they have a ton of respect for a veteran like Mike Smith. Um, obviously, uh, he doesn't have a lot of, or you wouldn't think he would have a lot of. Um, uh, you know, uh, teams lining up around the league willing to acquire him. Of course, he does have a no-trade clause too. Um, so you probably, if you're acquiring uh, another goalie, you'd be waving Mike Smith and putting him in the minor league. Uh, I have a really tough time seeing how the coaching staff would be and, and management would be, you know, willing to do that. Uh, obviously, if an, if an opportunity comes up, uh, you know, like like this, uh, in theory. You know, maybe maybe they have to, but but I, I really don't see it. So that's number one. Uh, number two is uh, John talked about the acquisition costs, and it's funny because you know that that Sharks trio uh, did come to mind for me as well. And I don't re- have it off the top of my head what the the Flames uh, sent to second round pick. Second round, okay. I thought it was a third, but uh, you know that's you know for a goaltender who you know, potentially as a, as a starting goalie. And obviously in the case of Mika, Mika Kiprasov with Calgary turned out to be a very good starting goaltender. Uh, that's a pretty low cost. Um, it, it's tough to know with goaltenders. It's, it's a very fickle position. Um, but in a case like this in mid season, um, where a lot of teams, especially um, contending type teams or, or teams that are, I should say, contending for a playoff spot like the Oilers, um, usually in those in that case, uh, goaltending is pretty set. Uh, that's I wouldn't say that's the case for the Oilers. Obviously, they have a guy in a long term, longer term deal uh, in in Kiprasov and Mike Smith is here uh, in theory no more than this year. Um, but I don't think there'd be a lot of teams lining up to to get him, despite him being a very good and as John says, you know, high quality goaltender. Except for maybe on on New Year's Eve against the Oilers, um, but. Uh, 
I don't know. I, 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 I think you might be able to get him for something like a second or, or, or a third, maybe a, a depth prospect or something like that. It's hard to know exactly, but usually when a team is dealing from a, a position of strength in goaltending, um, because of you know how f- limited the spots are around the league, um, that strength, um, perceived strength in terms of what they can maybe get back, uh, ends up not being so. There isn't quite the bidding war that there would be for, say, a, a center or, de- or a defenseman or whatnot. So uh, it's a very interesting position uh, for the Oilers. I mean, I, I, again, I really I go back to Mike Smith, and I really uh, have a hard time believing that the uh, you know Ken Hall and Dave Tippett will want to um, you know di- I'll say disrespect for lack of a better term uh, Smith uh, and, and wave him and put him in the minor leagues because I, I, I can't see teams lining up to uh, to be willing to acquire him and he'd have to be willing to move anyway. The uh, the pick was a second round pick. It ended up being Mark Edward Vlasic. So the Sharks did okay. Uh, in Fair that. enough. The, the, they could they could run three goalies, but it's not a nobody ever loves doing that, and it's not a it's not an ideal thing. Uh, the 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 other thing I wanted to talk about with this Oiler team, and and we're running up against John has to leave, so we're we're running up against it a little bit. But uh, Connor Yamamoto, I think, is three games in now, and that second line with uh, Leon and uh, uh, Nuge, I think, has had at least a couple of games. Two things. I'll start with you, John. The the first thing is is maybe give me uh, your opinion about. Yamamoto and, and what he's done well and how well he's played. Uh, and then the second thing that, 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 you know, does that in your opinion, and, and we both wrote pieces yesterday that sort of implied this, but I want to be specific here. Does that, in your opinion, give a little more torque to the idea of recalling Tyler Benson? Well, I think, I think Yamamoto's played very well. I, I think that line's played very well. Um, they, uh, they faded a little bit in the third um, against Boston like they they were in really good shape through forty minutes and and um, as the Bruins tried to get back in there and and they were playing you know a, a fair bit against the Bergeron line, it uh, the, the numbers sort of went the other way. But on the whole, I think they've been they've been good. That looks like a, a competent second line for the Oilers. I, I think from a fan perspective, it adds incentive to to bring up Benson because if you're looking at this from that viewpoint, it's like okay, well. Yamamoto and Benson have been sort of neck and neck in in most evaluations all year. Yamamoto comes up and gives them a, a very different look. Maybe Benson can do the same. I don't know that the same is true from an organizational viewpoint because they're looking at these guys as individuals and they're saying, okay, well, you know, Yamamoto does this, this, and this, and and Benson does this, this, and this, and uh, the the two are are totally different players, and we're we're not going to conflate them. But what helps him, I think, is that there is some wiggle room at left wing on the Oilers. Um, James Neal can obviously play both sides. He's playing left wing at the moment, so that's one possibility. And, and then Jujar Kara has been very good on the penalty kill, but a bit of a frustrating player at 5-on-5 five five this season. I understand why the Oilers have given him so much rope. I, I think it makes sense to be be patient with a guy who's a really high-end penalty killer. Like His numbers this year are elite, and he's been good at this for a long time. But he's uh, and and he's looked like a good bottom sixer at points, even at five on five. But uh, the results haven't been there for a little bit now, and um, you know maybe there's a possibility there. It wouldn't surprise me to see a Benson recall. I just I don't know if it's like this week or this month or or later on. So we'll we'll have to wait and see. 
the only thing with the with the Benson recall right now is just like where the question is where do you put him? Um, you know, there are obviously a lot of of, of holes on this team, uh, but I think you'd probably want Benson at least in a top nine spot probably and ideally for him and his development in a top six spot um right now those those wing spots are are accounted for a lot can change you know you can probably move Yamamoto uh you know into a third line role um um you know with you know Neil Cassian uh, obviously Nugent Hopkins is, is not your prototypical winger you'd probably prefer him to have center you could go back to three centers there's there are some spots um I think obviously with with Yamamoto coming up that you know he, he brings a lot he, he's a you know better skater than than Benson is a quicker faster skater uh that brings a nice element to that to that line so uh there's definitely um some some place for him but in the immediacy I, I don't see it um uh, and, and I, but I do, I do think you know when you you look at the the way some of these guys have come up and and performed, uh, prefer uh, you know obviously, uh, Ethan Bear comes to mind although he's been up all year and then Jones and and um, and now Yamamoto most specifically, um, it does pretty much I I think it it bodes well for somebody like Benson and you can see why people would be clamoring to have him up. Uh, I think it does happen at some point soon, but I I don't think very soon. Um, and maybe maybe look at uh, you know look maybe after the All Star break because they don't have a ton of games left. Uh, and if the, if the lineup continues to perform uh, pretty well and is, is kind of set up the way it is, um, I think maybe you're, you're looking more toward the end of the month than uh, than than um, than kind of right away. I think that makes a lot of sense. And your your point about Yamamoto and Bear and others performing well. Uh, is a really good one, but you also want to uh, time this out. And, and uh, one thing about Ken Holland is that he's, uh, unlike a lot of other general managers who've been uh, in Edmonton uh, this century, uh, he stood by his word. He said there wasn't going to be a lot of movement until Christmas, uh, and uh, except for injury. I think that they they were uh, they held true on that. And and uh, once Yamamoto got called up, it was after Christmas time. And I I think they're they're idea was when you call up a player it's unlikely you're going to send him back and in the case of Yamamoto I think he's making a case for that uh, don't forget to please rate and subscribe to the oil can on Apple if you click on the show URL theathletic.com slash the oil can you get 40% off your subscription to the athletic you'll get to hear a bonus subscriber only edition of the oil can with Daniel Jonathan and myself each week too and we sing on that one uh, that's that's the real big appeal there uh, John, I wanted to ask you, you were at practice yesterday, and it, it, it I know it's no big deal, but Kleppbaum was not on the ice. We expect him tonight, right? Yeah, we, we do. It's uh, maintenance day for Kleppbaum. I, I should preface this with, with saying I was barely at practice yesterday. My, my flight got in later than I expected, and practice started earlier than we were told. So I'm scrambling from the airport to the to the arena, and I'm getting text messages from from Edmonton's PR uh, person, Andre Brin, going, okay, so it's starting a little bit early. Are you, are you going to be here? Are you going to be here? <laughs> and uh, I, I squeaked in under the wire. But, yeah, Clefbaum's okay. Um, I would fully expect him to play tonight. We'll probably probably find out for sure here uh, at the at um, Dave Tippett's morning avail. Uh, the lineup, I don't expect any changes. Maybe Lagason comes in for Jones, but um, outside of, of you know maybe that and, and maybe a goaltending swap, I think they'll they'll probably stick with the same same group that they've had on this road trip. 
Is there a sense from either of you with the way that the, the t- I mean, they played so well in Boston. Uh, most coaches would would keep things as they are. Uh, I noticed that Patrick Russell hadn't played, I think, since the Calgary game. Correct me if I'm wrong on that. Is that a pressure point? At some point in time, you want to send him down to get him a, a few games, and I'm not suggesting a Benson recall. I'm just talking about Russell uh, as a player. If he doesn't get in here soon on this road trip, do you think he maybe has to you know, head down because it'll be, uh, well, it's been, what, 10 days now. Uh, so if he gets to a couple of weeks, it, it might be a situation where he might want to go down and play a couple of games. John? Uh, so Dave Dave Tippett's done a pretty good job of, of trying to keep guys in the regular rotation. You know, outside of Brandon Manning, there haven't been players who have sat for long periods of time. The problem with sending Russell down is you you got to get him through waivers. And you just, you know, if somebody has an injury on the PK, I could see Russell being attractive because he's dirt cheap and he's on a two-way contract. And it's, it's basically, you know, a no-risk fill-in. So, so that's a, a difficult thing for the Oilers to do unless they plan to leave him there for a little bit of time. Um, and, and I don't know that they, they'd want to do it because as it stands right now, the two reserve forwards, Gagne and Russell, fulfill very different uh, roles in, in the lineup. And I, I think Tippett likes having you know an offensive guy he can go to when he wants to get that going and a defensive guy he can go to when he wants to get that going. So it's... Um, I, I don't know. I expect he'll he'll get in at some point. Maybe somebody will be banged up. Maybe somebody will underperform. But I, I don't know if a, an American League uh, assignment really makes that much sense. So John goes first, and then he steals all my points. This is, this is just totally unfair. <laughs> no, I, I'm just kidding. Um, no, I, I don't see him going down either. Just because, uh, and the, the most the most important thing to me is the contract um, with him making uh, the league minimum. Um, you know. Uh, there's possibility of, of of him getting claimed on waivers, as John uh, says, but it's more for me. It's more you know a cap thing where you have this guy who, uh, and he's an older player too. Like he, he's in his mid twenties. He's not you know twenty one or twenty two. Um, you know I, I, that's a I don't want to say the perfect age to, to sit in the press box for a few games, but it's less uh, ideal. You know he doesn't have that upside that somebody like a Yamamoto or a Benson, Cooper uh, um, Morody, those types of players potentially would have, uh, where you're leaving them on the uh, you know on the roster and, and having them sit. Um, he he plays a very specific role that role where the, you know his board work, his penalty killing is is more valued, and, and those types of skills don't really um, you know erode or whatnot when you're you're sitting in the press box for for. A few games so you know he's a very low maintenance guy you always see him at the rink with a big smile on his face that he's he's happy to be an NHLer he's not going to complain about missing a few games um he's the perfect guy to have here Uh, I really don't see him going down unless uh um you know he happens to get injured and or or, sorry that's you know unless you know I really I really don't see it I mean I think he'll get in if somebody else gets injured that's more what I should have said uh or if they need to tinker with the lineup as, as John alludes to and you know if he gets in you know you know one set of you know five games or two out of five or maybe even three out of five that that is more than fine with him and that's I think the direction that they'll they'll kind of go with it Really quickly, boys, because I know John has to leave. I'll start with you, Daniel. The uh, Leafs are heavy favorites tonight. Uh, I think they they should be the favorite, but I, I think this game might be a little closer than the, the odds makers are, are saying. W- what's your thought on tonight's game? No idea. 
uh, I think uh, uh, they. Who the heck knows what this Oilers team, right? Like they, I, 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 I turn on the TV about ten minutes before the game uh, on uh, on Saturday, and I said, I said, oh, the Oilers are going to get blown out in this one, and they play one four one and play one of the best games of the year. So, um, uh, you know, obviously they shouldn't be favored in, uh, against a really hot Toronto team on the road. Um, and again, as you we talked about earlier, um, they haven't. <laughs> beat the Leafs at home in a long time or on the road in a long time so um, uh, uh, who knows I- I'll-, I'll say they they squeak out a win but I wouldn't be surprised with really any result that happens tonight John? Well the, the one thing I'd add is that Toronto as good as they have played since the coaching change a, a lot of it's fueled by things that you um, you look at and you kind of go okay this is this is bubble stuff, right? Like there's there's obviously legitimate talent there, and I think Toronto was actually due for some positive regression, but their there's their percentages have been high the last while. I I, I do think they're favored, but I, I don't see it as a a blowout situation. I don't see it as as being anywhere near as lopsided as uh, as some recent games have been going in. So you know, having said that, now the uh, now that I've I've put myself on the record, I fully expect Toronto to win six nothing and Patrick Russell to be sent down before the game, and because uh, <laughs> that's that's how these things work. But um, yeah, it, it, I, I think it's a it's a reasonable game, and you know, most boring analysis possible. Both teams have a have a legit shot going in, and and I'm I'm very curious to see how Koskinen plays if he in fact starts because if he's healthy, he, he's been out for a while. He's had a nice little bit of rest. He could. Um, he could be the difference. Al, all right, go. gentlemen. Thank. I'm sorry. So, my, you wanted to say something, Daniel? No, I, we need your uh, we need your thoughts for tonight. Oh, <laughs> I, I I think it's going to be a very close game. I think the orders. I'll call it a three-two Toronto win on a uh, Austin Matthews uh, shot nobody sees until it's in the net with uh, 28 seconds left in the game. How's that? That's, that's incredibly uh, specific. <laughs> rile everybody up, and if it happens, I'm leaving town. Uh, all right. Well, uh, uh, gentlemen, thank you so much. We've gone a little late. Uh, John had to take off, but that's okay because he's working. This has been the Oil Can Podcast. Thanks for tuning in.